Evening, everyone. Um, obviously, um, real privilege to, to actually be here physically. Um, I'm not going to lie, I've been a bit envious that I haven't been able to be here physically. Um, doesn't mean that the word is, has been far that I've heard from my heart, it's in me. Um, but there's something about being with um, the believers in a unified response, spiritual response to the word that is being declared. So, um, <laughs> lucky you all, but I'm glad to be here and um, it's just been phenomenal. Like I, I, I feel like I can, uh, when I'm listening to the word um, on a Sunday night, it's like the electricity um, that, that I feel, the power that has come through. Um, and I must say, the last, uh, listening to Greg's message last Sunday, I was having a good laugh. Especially because um, I can I can hear Greg um, dressing Luke uh, with a glitter belt, and uh, it, it sounded like he was a very confused soldier of the Lord. And um, and while I'm sort of laughing, my thoughts are going like, you know, in one way, I guess the church uh, is a little bit confused uh, with um, her identity. And uh, the armor, as such as as we heard, um, and uh, and I guess tonight what I want to look at is even the warfare and what that is. Um, so I'm going to ask you to bear with me tonight. Um, those who know me well um, know that I. Kind of um, my notes on my safe place, um, and um, I'm going to blame it on pregnancy. But I've just got the foggiest brain. Um, this morning I put weed picks in the fridge. Um, <laughs> pe- people I love and know can be looking at me run my face, and I'm like, "What's your name again?" So if I'm looking silent at you, you've busted me. I'm, I'm probably thinking your name's gone right out my head, and like we hang out all the time. So just. <laughs> Terrible, but forgive me. But seriously, um, in all seriousness, like physically, um, like everything's a bit foggy. But but this word, I know what he wants to say tonight. And uh, so my notes, and it feels out of order in the physical. But I, Lord, I know you are going to um, order. Just order your word. Your word is perfect. And um, I, I pray that you just clothe me on high with your spirit and your power. And I just know that your word uh, doesn't, doesn't need me. I don't supplement your word. Your word comes as it is. And so um, I just declare that tonight. Um, and I just, yeah, thank you for the ears that are, that are here and willing to listen and that grace abounds in the body. So here we are. Um, so like, like I said, um, listening to the message last week, the, the one clearest point that came across for me anyway was that this spiritual armor is um, not physic- a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. It is Christ himself. And um, if, we, if we still think it's a physical thing, then we're in for a rude awakening when we realize there's no pants in the physical armor. So... Um, <laughs> If you're, if you're still pretty certain that it's physical, it's not. Um, <laughs> that's right. Because no one wants to see that. So it um, doesn't matter how good you look or you think you look. Um, so anyway, 
It's not physical, guys. But, um, you know, I was saying to my discipleship group, um, uh, it's a beautiful thing that's going on with us as a group, um, but, um, you know, there's, there's conversations coming up about church and what that looks like, and, you know, it's more and more as I'm growing within the church and becoming her, I'm realizing that, you know, going to church as a service on a Sunday is not threatening to the enemy, but becoming the church is. And so, and so that's what I want us to keep in mind when we are talking about the church. And when we talk about Christ, if we don't identify with the church, we actually can't identify with Christ because he is the head of the body and he sees himself as he, as, as he sees her. And um, we have to catch this because our whole identity comes from the true knowledge and the the conviction that we are the body of Christ, the fullness of him on the earth that he's looking to establish, the present presence of himself. Um, And it says in John, you know, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes um, the world. So everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Why? Like we, we sang this morning, the lamb has overcome. So we, if we identify that Christ has overcome the resurrected king, then that means we who are born of him will overcome. Right? So we identify with him. What we identify with him, we identify for ourselves um, and as together. Um. Now, warfare, spiritual warfare, um, we either, we, we, I think there's different camps on, on what we think spiritual warfare is. And um, I think one of the main points of what the warfare is about is that the enemy is after the identity of the bride. He's, he's going for the kill. And uh, if she doesn't know who she is, um, she cannot walk. And before the church and the body is called to warfare, she, she has to learn how to walk. And before she can learn how to walk, she needs to know her position in Christ. And so we see, we know that the enemy is after the identity. Why? Because we heard this morning that the bride is going to judge him. His days are up. And it's almost like the Lord's final say is, look at these people who have remained faithful to me, demonstrated my wisdom on the earth, and have confounded you in the face. <laughs> Okay, so our warfare, our warfare is, is really believing God on his word and the unbelief to say um, or to argue against what he has said is the warfare that happens in our minds, okay, and happens in our hearts and that's what the enemy is after and that's what he will perceive as weakness and he will go for. And again, like we heard this morning, warfare is for the mature, as we've looked at the book of Ephesians, which has been absolutely amazing, first chapter 1 to 3, we hear the position of the church within Christ, the position, the spiritual resources we have been given. Incredible. And then we hear from 3 to 6 how, from that position, we, what's our response to that? It's how we walk. And then we come to chapter 6, and it's about warfare. 
And so we see it's an actual, it's, it's a, an unveiling of the maturing process of the body. And so a stage of maturity is warfare. But listen, the enemy's not, he's not threatened by, by people who don't even believe who God says they are. They're, they're actually taking care of themselves. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like he's not even, it's not even a problem. It's, it's those who believe they are becoming the church because of who God calls her to be. Um, so anyway, let's, let's crack into it. Um, so if you want to open your words to Ephesians 6. Um, and w- what I'm going to do tonight, so um, Greg gave us a, a great overall picture from verse 10. Um, into 18 about the, the, um, the armor. Um, and like I said, that main point that I really heard was that the spiritual armor is Christ himself. So what I want to do is just um, go to uh, really unpack, I guess, verse uh, 10, or well, 12 and 13, but I am going to touch a little bit on, on 10 and 11. Um, and I want to hold these verses in the context of um, David and Goliath. And I'm, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more about what I've been seeing as it's come out. Um, <clears throat> so I want to remind us that um, in Ephesians and in um, the first chapters 1 to 3, we've heard about the position, right, of of who we are in Christ, and that means we've been given this rich inheritance, the investment of himself, and in us, um, yeah, a deposit of himself in the Holy Spirit as a, a guarantee, a guarantor of, of what we ultimately are going to become. Um, we have been chosen, we've been adopted, and we've been forgiven. We have the access through the blood of Christ who has reconciled himself to us. We now have peace with God. We are now the righteousness of God. We have been given the gospel. The gospel has been deposited within us that has awakened us to the Lord himself. Um, But this has also given us access um, to that we are now the family of God. Paul prays, Um, Now that I'm on my knees, I pray that the Father of Christ, who is the name of all families of heaven and earth, uh, there's so much more in a name than we can imagine. It's the character, it's the authority, it's the representation that the Lord has now gone, you are my family. And so in the name of God, we, we are actually, we now inherit the name of God and not, and in the name, we have the resource and the knowledge of God. And these, this, this has been deposited in us. This is our position. This is where we live from now, right? This is w- what we, um, yeah, we live from. No longer are we striving for victory. We live from victory because of what Christ has done. Um, it says in Ephesians 1, 21 to 23, that his, po- that his power, um, that when he raised Christ from the dead, he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places and put all things under the feet of Christ and gave him to be head um, over all things. Um, 
sorry, gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body. Now, I did touch on that last time of how that like blew my mind, that if, if he is the head, everything's been put under his feet and we are the body, it means all powers and principalities and rulers are under the church's feet. Okay, it's not above us, we're above it. Okay, um, so we have the authority of God as we are seated in heavenly places. So when it goes to say um, in verse 10, be strong, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We know and understand that we can stand strong because of the position we have in Christ, because of the authority, because we are in his name, we are in his power, the spiritual blessings that Paul says we have every spiritual blessing given to us. That is our resource. So I want us to hear that is the position we start in, okay, that we can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Um, so this is where I want to go to um, 1 Samuel um, one seventeen, And it's just the story of David and Goliath. Um, now, we all know the story of David and Goliath. Put your hands up. Don't want to assume anything. Cool. Um, and I just want to pull out a few, a few things that, that struck me. And I thought, wow, just um, how have I missed that in the past? But it really just speaks to David knowing his position, knowing how to walk, and the warfare that he entered into. Um, so we know that before David takes Goliath on, Saul, who is king, says to him, um, here, I want you to take my armor, put it on, and uh, this, is, this is what you should wear. Because of how you appear, you're young, um, you're small in stature, and uh, the guy you're about to take on is a giant, and he is an experienced warrior. And what I found fascinating about David is how he approaches Goliath. Um, and we know that he, he refuses Paul's armor, right? And um, he, but he approaches Goliath in the knowledge and the name of God. He says, I come in the name of God, the Lord of hosts. Um, and he comes with the position of knowing that he is resourceful, not by this physical armor that Saul tried to put on him, but by the knowledge of God that he already had and experienced. Um, we, we know as well that in Samuel 16, David is anointed as the future king. So in chapter 17, we see him fight Goliath, but in chapter 16, as a shepherd, he's actually anointed as king by Samuel. Um, and um, so it's like he goes into into this um, war with Goliath, knowing that he is the future king. Um, and how much does that sound like for us as the church? We have been told, just as David was given the word, trusted the word, and that was his very resource, that as a church we are told that we are going to reign with Christ instead of his right hand. Um, it's interesting to me that... Um, 
before we, we look at warfare in Ephesians 6, that uh, so beautifully Sam talked on um, this masters and slaves and, you know, serving, serving each other, but serving as though you're serving the Lord. Because we know that David was a shepherd. And he actually says to Paul, when Paul looks at him and goes, you can't take Goliath on. You, you just, like, by physical appearance, you cannot. And, and David has to remind him and say, as, a, as my father's servant, I was tending to the sheep. And part of his experience is that he would have to take on bears, he would have to take on lions and fight these things with his bare hands, <laughs> right? So this, this spiritual armor or this physical armor that Paul tries to put on David, it's so fascinating David's response is that he says, um, I can't put this on. Um, and I can't walk in it. And I thought, wow, wow, because here's Jesus, and he's, he's, if we put the armor of Christ on us, it means we know how to walk like him. And that's what we heard from Greg last week as well. It's that the manner of Christ, to walk the life that Christ has called us to, we need Christ as the armor. And so for David, it's like he knows he cannot walk in this armor he has not experienced it. And then he goes on to say, I have not tested this armor. And that's interesting because it means I have not experienced this armor. And so again, we can hear how what, Dave, what David knows by what he has experienced from the Lord's provision and protection over those sheep when he was shepherding as a servant. He knew his armor then. And it says that when he was anointed as king, um, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And so David knew this. He knew his position. He knew what he already had. And I want to get that across tonight that, you know, our, the armor we already have. If we have Christ, we have the armor. It's not a new thing. It's not a separate thing from us. It is, if we have Christ, we have the, Christ is the armor of God, right? Um, And so we see David and um, Saul trying to put his armor on David, but David refusing, saying, I cannot walk in it, and I cannot, um, I have not tested it. And like I said, before the church is called into warfare, she, know, she needs to know how to walk. And before she can walk, she needs to know her position. And the same thing for David. He could not walk. It was unfamiliar to him to walk that out because he has walked a different way. The other thing that was interesting to me was that Saul was concerned with the appearance of David, with his age, uh, with his stature. And like I said, David's um, response to that is, um, this is how I have, I have um, warfared in the past with, with the bears and the lions. So I'm able and I'm capable. Um, and that was his approach towards Goliath. And the thing is, Saul was, the actual point that he was removed as king was because he, he ruled by appearance. 
And it says that when Samuel went to anoint David to be king, that even Samuel said to the Lord, this can't be right. He's the youngest of brothers. Why, why him? And the Lord said, and I love this, the Lord said, don't refuse him because of his physical stature. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. And then he was anointed um, the future king. And so, like I said, I'm not surprised that the chapters follow on the warfare um, from the slaves in the master's chapter. Because I believe that through the service and laying your life down, becoming a bond servant to the Lord is actually the the training ground for royalty. And... um, um, In order to to reign as a king with a servant heart and to serve with a kingly heart, that's almost the process. So to become a bond servant of the Lord, as David willingly and volunteered his life to take Goliath on, on behalf of Israel, is is a picture of us that if we to to serve in a way that we we are willingly volunteering our lives to be in service, that is what will make us fit to reign with Christ. Um, And so, again, it was just astonishing to see um, how Ephesians is unveiling the bride and the very character of her, Um, and that I'm seeing in in David. In verse um, 12, it says, "'For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood.'" but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of darkness of this age, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Um, Again, when David approached Goliath, he said, you come with a javelin, you come with a spear, but I I come in the name of the Lord. And then he says this, who you have defied. And it's... It's that prickly thing of like, oh, you don't want to defy the Lord. Like, you don't want to do that. Um, And again, what becomes clear is that not only is the armor spiritual, or the the armor is is Christ himself, the spirit clothed upon us. Again, like we heard Greg say, it's a a clothing that comes upon us, that sinks in. I love that. But... um, not only is that armor spiritual, but the warfare is spiritual. And even though we see a physical picture of David and Goliath, it's, the, it's that Goliath was coming defying the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And that is a physical stronghold. And it says, a spiritual stronghold, it says in Corinthians 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when the obedience is fulfilled. And that word defied, that Goliath was this representation of, of defying the Lord. It means to challenge the power of, 
to resist boldly and openly. So Goliath was standing there in opposition to Christ, um, in opposition to God himself. And there was David, who without armor was actually disarming to Goliath, because Goliath looks at him and then actually becomes quite offended that the greatest soldier is this young weakling who's come with no armor before him, and he's actually insulted. And he says, "Do you come with me? With come at me with sticks? Am I a dog?" Um, and again, it's the things that can oppose us, or the thoughts that we can have that that are anti-Christ, seem bigger than what they are. They are puffed up more than that. They're all air. It's, it is all deception and it is not real. Um, he is seen as a giant. And there has been some studies, I'm not going to claim this as truth, but um, that uh, with giants and these famous giants that have lived in the past um, actually have um, physical problems where their vision is blurred, they walk very slowly. And so we see with um, Goliath, he says to David, do you come with me with sticks? David only had one stick. Okay, so he's got this blurred vision. He also says to David, come to me. Okay, it's the sense that he, he, he's not quick, he's not agile, and he can't move quickly. And so my point with that, if there's any points with the truth of that, is that these things that come up against us may seem big in nature, may seem intimidating in nature, giant before us but the truth conquers and the truth will take it out and the truth is what we stake our lives on which is who Christ himself um and so yeah that's that's David as the the giant but again it's that appearance thing um you know Sam Sam Willis it was one of his first messages it's definitely the first message that was ever recorded but he talked on the Antichrist, and it was one of the most outstanding, powerful, life-changing messages I've ever heard, Um, and it was so confronting because what I, as I was listening more and more, you know... (laughs) You know how sometimes you hear messages and it's like a bomb has been thrown and it's kind of like it's missed you and you're kind of like, good luck, guys. And it's like, you know, and you're like, gutted for you, you know. But this message was kind of like an arrow just going into the heart, you know, and you couldn't miss it. It was like, ah. But what he was talking about is the spirit of the Antichrist. And, oh, man, he pulled three scriptures out and he could have literally just sat down and we all would have been like... What do you do with that? So he, he talked about, um, um, hopefully I've written it down. Oh, he talk, yeah, he, talked, he brought up Thessalonians 2 and he said, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by the Spirit or by the Word. Interesting. Do not be troubled, either by spirit or by the word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Listen to this. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, 
or that is worships God with the big G, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And then Paul went on at ah, Paul, listen to me. Paul, Sam, you're the same guy wherever you are. No. And then I um and then he said, But who is the temple, guys? And I thought, no, can't be. This warfare can't be like the ain't the spirit of the Antichrist in here? No. But it says we are the temple of God. And what, what the spirit of the Antichrist can do is it, it lifts itself up and it takes its seat as though it is God. And, and Goliath, again, is this picture of the Antichrist that has, has puffed himself up and is, is in opposition to the Lord himself. And for us as people to, to fear and be intimidated, to shrink back from what we see because we're judging by appearance— because we're judging by appearance, that is unbelief, and that will weaken us, and that is actually anti-Christ, because we're actually opposing and arguing with the Word of God, who calls us what? Sons, saints, priests, kings. So warfare, guys... It's not an external thing. It's not protesting against things that are out there that are anti-God. It's, it's, it's dealing with, first, in our own heart and in our own mind, the things that are opposing the Lord, the things that oppose the Word. We need to stand in what the Word of God says about us um, and not be intimidated by those things. Um. Two Corinthians ten four says, For though we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Okay, so Christ in us, the power of God in us is what demolishes the strongholds. And um we, it goes on, verse 5, it says, We tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is our warfare, guys. That is the weapons of warfare. It is, it is actively going in and not allowing presumptions, arguments, opinions, um, our own thoughts of who God is to come and take hold of us. Those thoughts need to be taken hold captive and defeated and put at the feet of Christ. Um, if we go to, um, so, so obviously that is speaking to, we're not warring against flesh and blood, Okay, but against the principalities and the powers that Paul says is has control or or um, dominion over the earth today, for now, <laughs> but we live above that as God's people, and so when we are in warfare, we're not against flesh and blood before us, but we are against. The, the, the spirit and the powers that is setting itself up on high and proclaiming itself as God. That is the ministry of, of, of pulling those things down. But it starts here in our own hearts and in our own minds.
You see, the enemy, as again this morning we heard, it's like he, he knows the weak points and he will take us at our weak points. When Jesus was in the garden, um, again, the enemy came and suggested things about his identity. Again, the church is going to be questioned about her identity. Things are going to be suggested. And if we don't know who we are, we, we will become victims instead of the victors we are. Um, and the enemy, with its forces, will try undermine the unity of God's people. And I see this today. I see this today. It's trying to undermine the unity of the body and, and cause her to compromise her new humanity. When Jesus was baptized and declared as the Son of God, who, who God is well pleased with, and then is led into the wilderness, he is tested on those things. Okay? And it's, we've got to know the truth and we, we've got to believe that is the first work of God. Again, what we heard this morning. That if we are born again of God, then we are overcomers just as Christ is. So, again, the attributes of Christ. As followers and believers of Christ, we take on the attributes of Christ as the armor. So we live as he lives. We think as he thinks. We do as he did. We speak as he did. Right? If we, if we are intimidated and impressed by the enemy and the forces, the, lo- the things that look larger than life, if they captivate us, if we think, if we become fascinated with, the, with, with what is anti-God, we will become anti. That will become our armor. We'll use spears and javelins, and we will be out to destroy anything that we think self-righteously is not of God. And we become that very thing. But the armor of God is Christ. And so as followers, we take on the attributes of Christ and walk as he did and live as he did. You know, the the armor of Christ is not just a protection. And I think it's it's easy to um, pick up on that and think it's it's for protection. But it's it's also to be active in warfare. It actually is part of what causes us to run in. It says that David, when he saw Goliath, started running towards him. And that he took those stones out of the slings. And I love it because it, it was such a focused work. David knew exactly what he was going to do. And he went straight for the forehead. <laughs> and it, what, what was that? <laughs> and it said that the stones sunk in. David's like, I'm going to destroy that stronghold that thinks he's above the Lord, that is trying to defy and resist the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel's armies. And so this warfare that that happens, because the work has already been done by the lamb that was slain, it means that we're in rest. We're in war, but we're in rest. And rest doesn't mean sleepy. Okay, rest doesn't mean we're asleep and inactive. It's actually an active rest and a sense 
because we know love so deep in us, because we cherish unity in the body so much, because we care enough, we are willing and will volunteer to enter in and have conversations with our fellow brother and sister who may have strongholds that are holding them down, that we would enter into the word and let it diagnose exactly where we are, that we would enter in and walk with a brother and sister who may be going some other way because we value and cherish the body. When Paul says, brethren, I urge you all to put the armor on. He's saying brethren, which is a whole. So it's not just for individuals to put your armor on. We can imagine the, the, the pieces of armor, the righteousness, the faith, the peace in the gospel, the, um, these items as such is to cover the whole body. Because we're the body of Jesus, members of, it's, it's a whole body put on Christ. And so love takes us there. And love, love takes us into warfare. But it's a love that's matured and perfected. Immature love will not. It will shrink back because it doesn't know who it is yet. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. I love how it says, um, let's make sure. It talks about wrestling, right? Where are you? (laughs) Give me one minute. Sorry, back to verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Again, that wrestling talks about an active engaging, one-on-one opposing. Okay, so it's not um, I'm going to stand here protected in my my little armor and I'm not going to go out there because that's too scary. It's an active take take it on, hands-on, face-on. Um, and what I love about verse 13 is that which comes after 12, that we wrestle, is that that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand. So after that wrestle, it's like you'll still be standing. David was still standing. He took Goliath out, cut his head off. It was, um, I want to, uh, what do you call it? A spectacle for all to see who God is. And again, God has set us up as the church to make a spectacle of the enemy. And he's given us all authority, all power. In the knowledge and the name of who he is, he is sending us forth to defeat, to defeat the enemy who is already defeated. But it's almost like he's giving us the pure pleasure to just do the last act, to stand and keep standing. says, you know, walk carefully, redeeming your time, not wasting time punching the air, but with direction and purpose. That, that the only way we can, we can walk in this way carefully 
with, with um, accuracy. The only way we can do that is when we know the will of God. David knew the will of God. He knew that God was going to make him king. He knew who God was, that God was the God, um, as Rochelle puts, contends. He will fight his people's battles. He knew that. He knew the will of God that day when he entered in with Goliath. And that's what he went in with purpose and accuracy, aimed that stone and in one shot got Goliath down. And the church is to walk in the exact way, in the accuracy, in the knowledge of God, knowing what his will is and proving it, going in with the confidence of who God is and who she is. Um, not wasting time on and energy on things that God's not really concerned with by appearance. Okay, what man sees and what he what we think um, by appearance is important is not to the Lord. And so the bride or the church who knows God, knows his will, knows his intention, is not going to be wasting her time with things that are not important. But she's going to be using her time, redeeming it for the purpose of God, which is all in the book of Ephesians, right? That's all we've been hearing, which has been absolutely incredible. How are you doing for time? 6.20. I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to finish there. Lord, I, I'm in awe of you, and I want to thank you for the power you have invested into your, your church, your true church. I want to thank you that when we were born again, we were born again in your name, that we were born again in your family. Father, that you have given us the authority in your name. You have called us to be a representation of who you are on the earth. And Lord, you have made it very clear that the warfare we're entering into is already won. And that by taking on the life of Christ who is already deposited in us, but by living that out, by living Christ within us out, we are to to defeat the enemy and his powers and principalities that are set up to, to bring us down, Lord. That we live above those powers and principalities. That we can enter in. Um, with confidence, knowing that it, we are in rest because the work is already done. And so, Lord, I just I thank you that you, you do not leave us alone. We are not weak and frail, but in you we have everything we need, every spiritual resource provided that, that we have you who is our spiritual armor for a warfare that um, is... is spiritual lord and and it's not um it's not as big as what we might blow it up to be that it's it's something we can look at and go i know exactly what you are and what you're doing and you not you have no rulership over me today and father i just pray that as as you continue to build us as a church as you continue to build us as the body the representation of christ on the earth uh lord that we would 
um, incline our ears to your word, that we would allow your living word to build us up in accuracy um, and with purpose and and with your intention, Lord, um, that we would we would become the accurate pre- representation of who you are, not the image of who we think you are, who we want you to be, uh, the God that suits us, the God that is um, contained in our own minds, Lord, but we would be free of that. We would be um, bond servants to you, Lord, free, uh, completely free, but in service to you because we, we love you and uh, there's no freer life, really, than living for you and serving you and your people, Lord. So um, I pray, Father, that we will become the kingdom of priests that you've called us to be and that we are we become deeply aware of everything you've given us in order for this to become a reality. So we just bless you tonight, Lord. Um, I love you. I thank you. I just thank you that you're my Father and... Um, I thank you for your rest. In Jesus' name, amen.